and welcome Hoosier fans to this week's edition of Banner Monday where we begin the week the best way that we know how and that is by talking IU basketball and Big Ten basketball which we are going to do here today. A couple quick housekeeping notes off the top. Next game for IU is Wednesday night against Minnesota. A huge game that tips at 7 o'clock Eastern time. I believe that is a Big Ten Network game and of course we will have the post game show for you immediately after. If you need tickets to the Minnesota game, to the Wisconsin game, which is obviously senior night for Deron Davis and Devontae Green, or for the Big Ten tournament, or fingers crossed, hopefully the NCAA tournament after that, use the URL iutickets.shop. That will take you to the IU page on SeatGeek, and then you can use the promo code ASSEMBLY from there to get $10 off your first purchase. Uh, so again, that URL is iutickets.shop. And then our friends at Homefield Apparel released a new Indiana basketball shirt. Uh, over the weekend. So go to homefieldapparel.com, check out the IU collection, and use the promo code ASSEMBLY20 to get 20% off your order there at homefieldapparel.com. All right. And now I am pleased to welcome in, as we do every Monday from the Big Ten Network, the Sporting News and Fox, one of the hardest working men in college basketball, the venerable Mike DeCourcy. And Mike, one of the craziest and most competitive Big Ten seasons of all time is heading down the stretch. We're going to talk about that, handicap the, the conference title race here in a little bit. But let's start with the Hoosiers. What are your thoughts on Indiana coming off of two road losses this week? Well, I certainly thought that they competed better in the, uh, in the Illinois game than they have in any serious road game. I guess serious is a strong word, but I think you understand. Any ultra-challenging road game that they faced. And, yeah, it's interesting. If you were in a normal league, this team, I don't think would be in the same circumstance it's in. I don't think Purdue would be in the same circumstance it's in. Rutgers wouldn't be fighting for its life now. I had a go around with some mid-major fans at the end of last week, and I, I talked about it as well on Big Ten Basketball and Beyond on Sunday night about the, the way the tournament is structured and whether it's uh, fair to the mid-majors generally. And my argument is that it is actually generous to those programs because they get, if you, if you just look at, if you exclude the teams that are in leagues that are traditionally multi-bid leagues, so anything basically from Mountain West or West Coast Conference on up, is in the multi-bid scenario and then the single bid that almost never get multi-bids would be the rest and there are 22 of those there are 68 teams in the ncaa tournament so they get 32.3 percent of the 32.4 percent of the field automatically guaranteed no questions asked and so i've always thought you know that that fundamental argument here they get 32.4% of the field right off the top. And so do they have 32.4% of teams? Well, look, how do you want to judge that? Look at Ken Palm. Only 12 of the top 100 are in those 22 leagues. You look at an ESPN strength of record, which I, a metric I really like uh, in regards to you take the point spread out and all that. It's just about do you win, lose, where do you play? They have 14 of the top 100 there. And that's just the top 100. That's not top 68. I'm expanding it all the way to the top 100. So I think they are treated very well. And there's this feeling because 
the net rankings and Ken Palm and some others are, have been very flattering to the Big Ten. That it's such an advantage to play in the Big Ten because you get all these quad one games and it's so great. Yeah, stick your head in that blender. Go ahead, see how <laughs> see how it feels to you. And I, and I think Indiana fans know what I'm talking about. Look, this is not a perfect Indiana team. I think it's well established. But if they were in a normal league, they'd be having a normal good season. They'd be he- headed for a probably a seven seed in the NCAA tournament. And they'd take their chances. That's what would have happened if they were in a normal league. They are in an abnormal league. And and it has its advantages because you've got opportunities, but you also did, don't really get road opportunities. You can play a really good game. And they played a really good game at Illinois. Their game plan was good. Their execution was good. There were a couple of things you didn't love, uh, but they played a really good game. And then it came down to a couple of missed free throws uh, by a freshman who is not an elite free throw shooter, a developing free throw shooter. And it came down to a, a couple of missed calls. Uh, and, I, you know, I don't know why the official misses the call. I, I, I would say that Frazier for Illinois had no intention to trip Rob Finnessy there. He was just coming over. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying it wasn't just like Grace and Allen stuff. He was coming over to try to get in the playing guard. But he caught Robert. With his left, I believe it was his left foot. He caught Robert's left foot. Robert goes down. That's a foul. I mean, not all fouls are on purpose. It was it was not intentional, but it was a personal foul. It caused Robert to go down. It caused the ball to come loose, and then it becomes a, a, a timeout. And the Hoosiers list, lose the opportunity to to put Robert the line. What's he shoot? Eighty percent ish, something like that. It's a good free throw shooter and a great pressure player. We saw it against Butler last year. How, how, how would you have felt with him going to the line with two free throws to tie the game? He might still have come down. I mean, they had Io DeSumo. That is not an easy thing to stop. They, they, had, they had to have plenty of time, but it was would have been a totally different scenario for Indiana to have Robert on the line with a chance to tie that game. And so I, I, that's something that I think people who follow the team need to understand and people on the outside need to understand that – there are not a lot, there are not any or almost any opportunities to go out and just bag wins by playing well. Indiana played well. They played well enough to win at Wake Forest or well enough to win at Pitt or well enough to win at, say, uh, uh, Oklahoma State. They, they, weren't, they weren't playing those guys. And you don't get to play those guys. And, and, and I, I think that people have to understand that this is a this is both a blessing and a curse, but I think in a lot of ways it's more than it's more of a curse because I, I look at my bracket and I see teams like Illinois and Wisconsin and and Michigan and all of them are probably a couple of lines below what they would be in a normal league. Michigan State is not 19 and 10 playing in a normal league. They got too many good guys and they got too good a coach. And if they could they could have half baked it to to double digit wins in almost every league in the country. The only leagues right now where you don't get to do that are the Big East and the Big Ten. And so I, I, people don't want to hear that because it's, not a, because it's not a demeaning message to the Big East and the Big Ten, but that's the way it is. And, and when you're in that circumstance, you have to be aware of what, it's, of what it means, both positively and negatively. And obviously, 
It's put Indiana in a situation where they've got two home games remaining. Both of them are against high-end RPI or Ken, excuse, uh, net or Ken Palm teams. They're home games. They're, if they play the kind of basketball they've traditionally played at home, with the possible exception of the Purdue game, they should win those games. But they have to, they have to come with an A effort or they'll lose both. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about those games. Minnesota is, you know, I think, 31st in Ken Palm, and they're 13 and 15 on the year. It kind of feels like their NCAA tournament bubble has popped. Just doesn't seem like there's enough opportunities for them to get wins now. And then you got Wisconsin that out of nowhere is competing for a Big Ten title when they were kind of left for dead about a month ago. So, you know, as you just said, Indiana should win these games. We all agree with you because we're at home. We've shown we can play well at home. So there's no question Indiana should win these two games. What do you expect to happen in these two games? Well, I, I think the first thing is that you have to remember that even though you should win, I mean, Minnesota has been really good. They just haven't been really successful. And Maryland's winning the league right now. It took a amazing comeback and not a miraculous shot, but a massive clutch shot. I mean, Daryl Morcel took that shot on. He was 28 feet maybe. And he was ready to shoot because he knew that they might not get a better look than that. And, and he made the shot and it was amazing, but that's what it took a 28 foot three in the final seconds for them to get a chance to win that game. Wisconsin needed to come back and score with like three seconds left to win at home where they almost never are challenged. I mean, they, they, they win so many games at the Kohl Center and usually we're aware. <laughs> yeah. And, and so those, so even though you should win because you're a good home team, a really good home team, you have to play great in both of them. In the first one, you have to find an answer for Daniel Oturu and deal with that, with that. And of course it's, you're fortunate to have multiple bodies to put on him. You're not going to slow him down. You know, I, I said last night on, on BTN that it was the second time in, within the last month that I looked at the game and the box score and two big guys for the opposing team, in this case, Micah Potter, Nate Reavers, in the previous case, Penn State with John Hara and Mike Watkins, where two guys were on him and, and with, with some degree of help, and they spent 40 minutes trying to stop him. And they gave up in yeah, yesterday's case, I believe, was 25. And in previous case, the Penn State case, I think it was 32, maybe 33. And after the game, both teams victorious, you felt like they had done a massive job just to hold him to that. That's how good he is. And that's how dependent they are on him to be good. If you, if you stop him and don't win, you're doing, you're, you're doing something wrong. Because they're, you know, Marcus Carr is terrific and hard to keep out of the lane. And he can go for 30 as well. But you, if you can control uh, Daniel Oturu, you have shut down a lot of what, of what Minnesota relies upon to, to, to get baskets. And then Wisconsin, you know, they are, at this point, they are absolutely hitting on every cylinder that they have. They, they know exactly what they have to do to win. And most of the time, they do each of those things. And so they, Brevin Pritzel's been outstanding. Aline Ford has been outstanding. Uh, Demetri Trice has been up, has become a better point guard. It's, if he doesn't, if you know, he, he has a very streaky shot for reasons that I've never quite been able to understand because his 
form seems to be so compact and, and it doesn't seem like it should ever be an issue, but he goes on bad streaks, but he's become a better point guard. So when he doesn't drop shots, he drops dimes and he's become much better at that. And then Micah Potter has been a massive difference for them uh, because he's a, he's a more physical player than Nate Reavers. Now, Reavers stood up to Oturu on the final play of the game yesterday. It was really impressive. But it, on those against those opponents that want to try to be physical with Nate, they can just switch it, put Micah Potter in there, and you can't move him. He, he's, he's hard to move, I should say. So they've got a lot going for them as well, and they know exactly what they need to be now. If they'd known it in, in, in November, December, and part of it was Potter was unavailable to them as a mid-year transfer, but if they'd known that or been able to access it back then, they'd be looking at a three or four seed with the way they play. One more IU question before we talk Big Ten at large. As you look at these two games, obviously Trace is the key. Like We know he's the engine for this IU team. He needed to get more than nine shots against Illinois. We talked about it on the postgame show. Remove him from the equation because he's got to be great in these two games for Indiana to win them. As you look at the rest of Indiana's roster, who do you think is kind of the next most important guy that really has got to bring his A game in these two games for Indiana to get wins? Well, I don't think there's any question it's Devontae. Uh, yesterday, uh, if you look at the at – the, I mean, he contributed 11 points, but he did shoot 3 of 11 to get there. He has to be better than that. It, you, yesterday, Robert was fine, got 10 points, 5 rebounds, maybe not as many assists as you'd like. Uh, but did a solid job. I thought it was one of Al's best performances of this year. Uh, the, the, he says he was fouled on the uh, three-point attempt. Uh, I, you know, I can't explain him missing that badly if that weren't the case. And, but he played a really solid defensive game, did a nice job, uh, played within the offense. It was, if he plays like that, Indiana's going to win some games. I'm not going to say a lot of games this stage. It's hard to win a lot of games, but he's gonna, they're going to win some more games if, if Al plays like that. And, and then you have to just figure it out from there. I, I race, you know, that was a really challenging game for race to be effective in. Uh, but I thought he gave you good minutes and he did have some foul trouble. It was, it was challenging because of uh, the, the difficulty that, uh, that you get with Kofi Coburn. You're going to get more of it this week. So you don't get any passes. Uh, you're going to get it with Oturu, obviously, in, in an even higher dose. Uh, but he's got to be effective as well. I, I would, you know, I, I still think uh, Jerome Hunter can become a a more multi-dimensional player than he's been uh, on the offensive end. He he has been a shooter, and I think there's more to it than that. Uh, he has been a deep shooter, and he had some really nice shots yesterday in some game pressure situations. But I think he can do more than that. I, th- I think he should be a guy who can get you a putback now and then. I think he should be a guy who can get you some stuff in transition now and then. And maybe put the ball in the deck at least to get to a, sh- a closer shot when it's called for. If somebody challenges you, be able to put the ball down and, and go pass him into open space and see what happens. He's not doing any of those things right now. I think that some of it comes from having been away from the game for as long as he was. But it, it, it begins with Devontae. This is his last couple home games he's ever going to play at IU. He's going to have senior day. It, it, it would be nice if he comes. And this, he doesn't have to do the whole Florida State thing. If he, you know, but just play sound, take good shots. 
know, play hard on defense, make good decisions. If he does those things, and he is in good shape. But Devontae, if you want to do the Florida State thing, by all means, please, yeah, yeah absolutely, <laughs> please go for it. <laughs> that's up. That's up to him, man. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, we're we're talking about Wisconsin there, and obviously, you know, Kobe King left however long it was ago, five, six weeks ago, and things really seemed to turn around for them. Ohio State, you know, had something similar occur with DJ Carton, obviously for much different reasons, but he had to step away from basketball uh, for mental health reasons. And it really seemed like they kind of turned things around after that. Now, you never know if it's exactly because these guys aren't playing that things turned around, but, you know, there there's some correlation there. So I'm curious... You know, with what we've seen from Wisconsin, what we've seen from Ohio State, and how they've played better after these guys, you know, were no longer playing, have we? Are, are these just kind of isolated examples that we can't learn much from, or are we learning maybe a little something about, you know, the importance of maybe having a smaller rotation and guys knowing their roles as opposed to just let's just get as much talent out there and and put it out there together. I think the first thing I would say is that I think it using. DJ Carton, as an example, I think it's more about the importance of certainty. They are not a better basketball team because DJ Carton is, is, is unavailable to them. Uh, he's a wonderful player. I really hope he gets well uh, for every reason. Uh, but he's a wonderful player, and, and there's so much available to him if he's able to, 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 to become well. And But – Having him in the circumstance that he was in, the difficulties he was going through, I think was problematic for Ohio State. And I think when he decided that it was best for him to step away, I think the certainty of what their circumstance was helped them move forward. Okay, we know now who we are, who we've got. Let's go do what we can do. Let's go do the best we can do. And I think that is what they've done. In the case of Kobe, I think that there I, I think that it was a circumstance where because he left two players who had somewhat drifted relative to what their role should be, how they could help the team, they became laser focused. They knew exactly what they needed to do. Brevin Pritzel was put into the lineup, not into the rotation at a much higher level. He'd been averaging 23 minutes a game. Last I checked, that was a week ago. He was over 33 minutes a game. Aleem Ford was told, look, you know, there's a spot for you now. It's right there. Go be aggressive. We, we, we want you to be aggressive. Go hit the boards, be aggressive offensively, feel comfortable taking the open shot. He's done all of things, all of those things, and he's done really well. You don't even have to necessarily stay in the Big Ten. I mean, at, at UCLA, uh, Mick Cronin benched Prince Ali, uh, who had been in the program for a long time but wasn't playing for – UCLA, the letters on the front of the chest. Not, it's not a name. It's the letters on the front of the chest. And so they benched him. And they, become, they became a much more cohesive and focused basketball team. So that can happen for a lot of teams if, if, that, if that's the direction that either develops or is necessary or in the case of what happened at UCLA, it was coach's decision. Uh, that can all uh, help a team understand this, this is what the mission is now, and this is the people we have to go pursue it. Hmm. All right, let's power rank the conference, and let's power rank it with this criteria, your confidence level in the teams going into the Big Ten tournament and ability to make a run in the Big Ten tournament based on how they're playing. 
That's hard because you don't know who they're going to play. Well, yeah, in, independent of that, just like yes. who you have the most confidence in, neutral court. Okay, you know, matchup independent. Number one, I'm going Michigan State with a little asterisk there, based on my desire to see Tom Imo, Tom Tom Izzo make more use of Marcus Bingham. He played him a lot, twelve minutes, thirteen minutes against uh, against. Um, Garza, uh, Iowa and Luca Garza last week. He did a nice job and made the made the game easier for Xavier Tillman as a result. And he did he played him less in the Maryland game because uh, they were having pretty good success with with Xavier playing against Jalen Smith and also Malik Hall had another one of his East Coast specials. Every time they go east. Uh, he goes crazy. He did uh, his whole season, his freshman season. He's had two brilliant games. I mean, absolutely brilliant games. One of them against Maryland, who's a two seed on my bracket right now, and this was on the road. And one of them against Seton Hall, a two seed on my bracket right now, and that was on the road. And so, explain that while he, you know, he struggles against Northwestern or whoever else, and, and then he goes and tears up the two two best teams he's played against, basically. I can't figure that out, but you know, they, I think they go on the road to Penn state this week, I believe. So another chance to go East for, for Malik, maybe that helps them. I, I like their, I like the ability that's available to them. I love having cash and Xavier Tillman as the one, two punch. And I've all, I've, I've, I've heard a lot of people say, I think Maryland's the most talented team or this. I've always thought Michigan state had the best talent. Now, not the best pro prospects, Although I think there are some pros on that roster, but they got guys who can do things that are not ordinary. Gabe Brown can do stuff that a lot of guys can't do. He's not a complete player yet, but he can do stuff. Aaron Henry, he's still in progress, but he can do things. And so I still think they have, you know, not, you know, Jalen Smith skews the argument because he's going to be the best pro prospect out of, out of the top echelon teams, but I still think Michigan State's the one. It has the most good players. I almost think that the abundance of good players they have has been a problem for them. That they've had a they struggled to find the right mix. They looked a lot more together, a lot more like they had it figured out at Maryland than, and and against Iowa than I'd seen in a while. Uh, number two, I, you know, this one might seem strange, and it even seems strange to me because I don't think Caleb Wesson's playing his best ball, but. I think Ohio State's going to be the team, a team that's really dangerous now. And they, again, great identity. They can shoot the ball. Uh, you've got a uh, you know a big guy, but again, that's somewhat dependent. If we're talking about moving for a while, uh, I, maybe in the Big Ten tournament they might not do as well because they won't have enough guys. It, it, Kyle Young, I'm just guessing based on the initial diagnosis of high ankle sprain. High ankle sprain's not a week and a half two-week injury. It's usually two and a half, three. So we'll see. I'd uh, love to see him out there. Terrific player, great energy. Uh, but that's my number two team. I'll go Maryland three. They have a consistency about them. I still have my doubts about the way they start games. I don't understand why it's so hard for them to get going on so many occasions. They put themselves in a bind a lot of times because of that. Uh, so that's an issue. And then I, I, th- I think the fourth would go, would go to Illinois. Uh, because of the ability of Io DeSumo to change games. And since he came back from his injury, it seems like he's really even more focused than he was. And he was having a tremendous year 
for a sophomore guard. But, I mean, it's, it's gone up another level. He's averaging around 17 and a half, 18 points, making huge plays. A shot yesterday, that was a killer. I mean, that, was, that was the kind of shot that a pro makes. And, and, he, and that, was, that was maybe the biggest play in, in the Sunday's game against Indiana. It sure was, you know, and I, I do, I want to throw a little credit to Al Durham and Rob Finnessy for the shots they made after that, because, you know, for, yes. for guards who have been criticized for not coming up big because they haven't, you know, on the road against the Big Ten's number one closer, which IO is, I was impressed with their ability to come right back and make those shots. It's not something that's happened a lot, but if they can start doing it, would really be important for these final two games and then into the Big Ten tournament. So kudos to those guys for stepping up and doing that. And then inexplicably, Al just airballed the next shot. Huh? I wonder how that happened. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, so now let's look at the actual standings with where teams are. And I know that there are a lot of different iterations of what can happen and a lot of important matchups. How do you expect the top of the standings to, to kind of play out based on the matchups and where teams are right now? It's really, I'll <laughs> tell you this. I am more likely to believe it's going to be a tie than that Maryland is going to, that Maryland is going to win it outright. Not because they're being chased by three and that gives you mathematical odds. I guess that makes it easier, right? If it was only one team that could catch them. But Maryland at Rutgers, Maryland home, Michigan. That's not an easy last week. I mean, I guess there are tougher roads that could have been available to them. That's pretty stout. It's not going to be easy. I could see him dropping one of those. And so then, all you know, obviously whoever else is in the race has to win too, whether it's uh, Wisconsin or Illinois or Michigan State. But that's what makes this last week, I, I think it's phenomenal. I mean, can, to have four teams like that right there in the race, to have – Michigan State going on the road to Penn State, and then I think they're home, I believe, to Ohio State. And Maryland going to Rutgers and Michigan. You know, and Wisconsin has to go to IU. I mean, I, what more could you ask for? I, I think the only, you know, I, I'm not sure that there's any, I, I don't, I didn't check on what Illinois' schedule is here. So let me look at it real quick. Their schedule, they got, they, even they, they have at Ohio State and Iowa. I mean, that's a, that is a phenomenal stretch run for every team that has a shot. And what, what, how much fun is that going to be? I can't wait. It's going to be get, awesome. To get up to uh, the green room on Saturday in, at BTN, because we'll have obviously all of Saturday's games ready to go, and then Sunday's going to be phenomenal. And we close it with that Illinois game. That'll be the last Big Ten regular season game on Sunday night before Big Ten and beyond. I just, I mean, I, I, I talked about what, what, a, what a nightmare it is for for each team and each team's fans to go through this league and how hard it is to be what any one of them might have been in a normal league. But for a fan of basketball, this is phenomenal. I miss every night. It's multiple great games. You know, obviously, we as Indiana fans hope to be back in that conversation at some point down the stretch, but we got to go a little bit further down the standings. But there is some important jockeying for position down there because it's obviously very important to stay out of the Wednesday game in the Big Ten tournament. And I know some people say, well, wouldn't it be good to get a win over Northwestern and Nebraska? Please disagree with me if you think I'm wrong, but I think I don't think that win is going to do really anything for you NCAA tournament-wise because it's going to be a quad three win. And it just seems like there's a lot of downside. If you come have a bad night, it could be a bad loss, and it could be your 12th or 13th or 14th loss. So that would not be good. Do you agree with that, that there's no upside yeah. to being in the Wednesday game? You know, especially because it's a, like I, I've talked a lot on the weekend about 
how at, around the network, and I've been there for 10, 11 years now, there's often a lot of discussion as we look at the tournament bracket about trying to get the double buy. And in most years, I kind of sit there and think, yeah, it's something to talk about, but I don't think it really matters that much. Uh, if you're, a, if you're, a, if you're uh, the five seed, you get another game, you know, won't hurt you to play. And, and maybe you could get an important win depending on what the matchup is, you know, cause there's in a lot of years, there's might be like seven, eight good teams and then six that are just okay or worse. And so you might catch one of the teams that's going to help you on a neutral floor because quad one on a neutral floor uh, is different than it is at home. I mean, you, if you get a, a victory on, uh, on a neutral floor against a team that is ranked between 51 and a hundred, I'm sorry, between one and 50. So that gives you 20 extra spots, one and 50. That's a quad one win. So you get the opportunity to maybe get one of those, but this year, everybody in the league that, that has a shot except Rutgers is over stuffed with quad one wins. It's like Thanksgiving dinner, you know, I mean, <laughs> need the pie. Uh, and so that, so for this year, I think, being, you know, any buy that you can get is good because you need more rest than you need quad one or quad two wins. If you get in those games, you got to win them because you want to, you know, you want to avoid the, the downside and you want, and it doesn't hurt you to have some more stuff on your plate. But I, I think if you can avoid that extra game, if you're in Indiana's situation, avoid Wednesday, if you're in Penn State situation, avoid Thursday if you can. I think those those are important in this particular year because of the nature of the league. And when you look at at you know where Indiana is, Indiana's eight and ten, Purdue's eight and ten, Rutgers nine and nine, Michigan nine and nine. So those are all the teams they're kind of competing with. Indiana fans will obviously immediately recognize that Indiana does not have the tiebreaker against any of them because they lost all games to all three of those teams. So, you know, we know what Indiana has. Purdue, which is also 8-10, and 10, is at Iowa and plays Rutgers. And then Rutgers and Michigan 9-9. Nine and nine. Rutgers home against Maryland at Purdue. Michigan versus Nebraska at Maryland. So obviously if Michigan beats Nebraska at home, that takes, you know, Indiana's not going to be able to outduel them, which seems like that's probable. So if Indiana only wins one of these games, then Purdue has to lose out for Indiana to get into the uh, 10th spot and get out of Wednesday. If Indiana wins both games, then Purdue would have to lose at least once or Rutgers and Michigan would have to lose twice, which again, seems unlikely. So well, I don't know about, you know, I mean, I, I would not say, look, I would not say Rutgers, Michigan lose. I mean, Michigan, I would say it's unlikely. Yeah. I, I meant, that's what I meant is Rutgers. Rutgers could very well lose twice with who yes. they have, with who they're yes. playing. So, so do they, would they both have to, or? If Rutgers did, did, would that do it for you? Uh, if Indiana wins both, then yes. Then if then if Rutgers loses, but not if Indiana only wins once, because then gotcha. they would be they they'd both be ten and ten. So gotcha. there's only a few scenarios for Indiana to get out of Wednesday, which is kind of the point that I'm making. Based on that, I mean, how likely do you think that is that Indiana's playing on Wednesday? Well, you know, for me, I, I think the most important thing for Indiana is to finish ten and ten. Not that it not they're not looking at that. But it, it, it quiets down a lot, a lot of stuff. And plus, it gives you two more wins and it takes any doubt away. I mean, I, you're in I, at that point, for sure. People keep, how can you lose this game and stay in? Well, no one's paying attention for whatever reason. If you're going to talk about a tournament bracket, 
you can't just know what your team is doing. Yeah. There's like 15 teams behind you, give or take, and everything they do matters to, to the, you know, it matters almost as much as what you do, what they do matters. Like if Cincinnati loses yesterday at Houston, that matters to India. It doesn't, you know, it's not a burning crisis for you, but it matters. Uh, Rhode Island's loss at home. That matters because if you're, you know, and, and I mean, the tournament doesn't really work like this, but in practicality, it, it has to. The bracket isn't necessarily set, but the teams are stratified. I mean, everybody knows what the, who, the, who the number ones are now, and no one officially is, can blow a one seed, but everybody in America knows that Kansas, Baylor, Gonzaga, and San Diego State have those one seeds in their pockets, and they would have to take them out and drop them on the ground to lose them. That can happen, but that's, you know, that's the case all the way down the field, and Indiana is settled, depending on who you're following, somewhere between eight and probably at the very outside. I don't. I haven't looked at the matrix lately, but I got to think that the, the very lowest that anybody would have Indiana would be an 11. And I, yeah, there's a couple of those. I'm looking at it now. There's a few, but, they, but their average is a high nine. So there are, like I said, about, there are the dozen teams that are, give or take, that are behind you on the bracket. And then there are the, eight or 10 or whatever teams that are trying to get in. So all 20 of those teams, what they do matters to Indiana. And the likelihood is that because they're not that great, most of them are going to lose more of their high pressure games than they're going to win. So it's, it's unlikely that even a couple of losses would take them out, but it's very likely that if they win them both, then any consideration about them not making it is over. And then they can just continue to try to fight for a big 10 championship tournament championship and whatever high, you know, however high seed they can climb on the bracket. Last question for you, Mike. Last week we talked about the big 10 player of the year race. I want to talk with you real quick about the coach of the year race. Who do you think mm-hmm. is the current leader heading down? I mean, obviously a lot can change over these final two weeks. Who do you think is the leader and who are the top challengers heading down the stretch? It is so hard. It really is. It's there's so many coaches doing very well in this league. Uh, what, what great guard has been able to do in bringing Wisconsin back from a disappointing pre-conference. Uh, what, what you see done at Penn state a year after they were, uh, they were, they really struggled. They lost, I believe they started a 0 and 11 in the league and he kept those guys together and believing. And now they're in the, you know, the, the top, you know, the first division, certainly, uh, Maryland being able to be on top of this league and not lose very many games. It's not easy to do as we've seen. So there are so many contenders. I still think that if, if Steve Peichel can get one more win and, and take, take, uh, gets get some more certainty because remember one more win means you're beating the best team in the league or you're winning in one of the hardest gyms in America to get a game. That's so if they can get one of those, then I think that Steve Peichel would be given. I mean, Rutgers was before he took over, uh, you know, just really struggling. I, I don't know how much, you know, I can put it a lot of different ways, but I mean, it was a massive struggle. And they were not, they were not in a lot of ways competing like a big 10 basketball program. And now I don't think anybody's been on the floor with them and not been impressed. There have been very few games where they didn't compete 
I mean, when I, when I, I mean, they have, they, from a compete level, I mean, they're as, they're as good in this league as anybody. They've been in almost every game they've played. Offensively, they're not super skilled, and that gets them from time to time. But uh, they, are, they, they really go after it. So if they get one more, that would be my vote. Now, I do not vote on the Big Ten Coach of the Year. or play. I, I have a AP All-Big Ten ballot. That's the only award that I officially vote on. Uh, but uh, that would be who I would select if it were if I had a vote. He joins us every Monday, the great Mike DeCourcy. Mike, we appreciate your insight. Looking forward to talking with you next Monday, and let's see where the dust settles on this Big Ten Sounds regular great. season. Jared, enjoy the week. Uh, uh, hope all the Hoosiers fans have a fun time, and uh, any of them that uh, well, well, we'll talk about it next week because uh, they're all coming to my hometown or my or my town now. That's right. That's right for the Big Ten tournament. Absolutely. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jared. All right. The great Mike DeCourcy. Thank you to everybody who's here live. Thanks for listening on the podcast. Boy, I'm really looking forward to seeing how uh, how this Indiana team comes out and responds uh, on Wednesday night against Minnesota and against Wisconsin. You know, and I, I continue to to think what I thought in when we talked on the the post game show IU Illinois that I really feel like the Minnesota game is a must win. You know, I don't. Just the way Wisconsin plays and the way we've played against them, if Indiana you know loses that game to Minnesota and now you feel all that pressure, I just don't like that. But if we can beat Minnesota, you know, coming off of what I think is actually a little bit of a momentum building performance against Illinois, and I know everybody hates hearing that, you know, like how can you how can you praise the team for losing? Well, you know, because the off season is the time for the macro conversations in the season is the time to meet the team where they're at. And the bar was set so low on the road. They played better against Illinois and they played well enough to win that game. They just didn't. Um, and so, you know, I think the team will probably take some confidence from that. And so if they can take that in and beat Minnesota a team, they already beat on the road. And now you go into Wisconsin with a little bit of confidence and a little bit of momentum and the crowd's feeling confident, you know, and the crowd's into that game. Now I feel a lot better about that game against a Wisconsin team that is just rock solid. I mean, you're going to have to beat them. They're not going to come in, you know, to your gym and pee down their leg. Like you're going to have to beat them. So two really, really important games. But you know, we talked at the beginning of the season. You know, the minimum bar to consider this season a success is make the NCAA tournament. End that stupid streak of not making the tournament. And Indiana, despite all the ups and downs, they put themselves right here. Where if they win two home games, they are in. I mean, if they win these two games, get to twenty wins, ten ten the conference, they will be in. It'll just be a question of seeding. They might be in if they only win one. But man, you've got them right here. Win your home games, and I think if this team and if this program can do that, I think that'll be a good sign of where things are. You know, it's not going to make any, anybody satisfied that everything is on the right track and that we're where we want to be. But I think it would be a really good sign that at least, you know, kind of the minimum level of progress that you need to see after year three, you would see it. And it's not something to like, you know, throw confetti about, but it's it's certainly something to feel encouraged by. So hopefully that's what we see. I look forward to talking with you guys on the post game show. And that's it. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you Wednesday night after IU Minnesota. Bodega, 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 Alpha and Omega. <clears throat> Siamese sailors sell celery sandwiches. Sawing about a serving platter. Hey, hey Jamie. Yes. Uh, did uh, did you want to try reading that line on the script there? Oh yeah. Let's see. Uh, you could say big when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive. That one. Yes. 
Yeah, no, I'm just not warmed up yet. Shouldn't be long. Detector test. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive today. The marmot mangled my mushu pork pancake. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.